0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co. Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their Angry Yowie Coffee Blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out.
1: It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. uh, To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. It missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling
0: before in my entire life.
1: It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another
0: one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and
1: looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out.
0: Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Kate Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Emma, and Emma's had quite a few unusual encounters throughout her life. Emma, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me.
0: It is so great to have you on. We've been chatting for what I feel like is ages before we hit record, and uh, <laughs> you're just like one of the most likable people I've ever spoken to, Emma, but you have Aww. had quite a few <laughs> unusual encounters in your life, so, and, and they kind of varied. Mm-hmm. so I really like that. So, uh, Emma, where... Did your first encounter happen? What was it? And kind of just walk us through it.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I, the first encounter I had, well, at the time I didn't know what I was seeing, Um, but I was in grade seven, so this was 2001, Um, and I was on a school camp, so it wasn't until I actually had forgotten about this encounter until listening to a podcast a little while ago about the school camp encounter at Springbrook and it triggered, I can't remember the details of who saw, like who had that Yowie encounter, but I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about where all the students and the teacher saw the, the Yowie in Springbrook. and
0: I believe that it was, was a Queensland center.
1: Yeah, it was published and then it was um, discredited and and all that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it triggered this memory for me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that was that was a Yowie that I saw on that camp." But um, what happened was so yeah, it was it was a grade six and grade seven combined school camp at a place called Fix Crossing near Mergen in, in Queensland, like um, rural West Queensland. And um, it was day two of the camp because I remember that evening at dinner we were talking about a few of us students wanted to go for a sunrise canoe. There was a river on the camping grounds and, yeah, a few of us wanted to go canoeing up the river for the sunrise and one of the teachers agreed to wake up early and and take the students that wanted to do this um, down to the river. So I, um, myself and my two best friends, Claire and Mia, we um, were all very like athletic, sporty girls and quite competitive and I remember we wanted to be the first one down there because we wanted to get the biggest canoe because all three of us wanted to go together and we wanted to be out on the water before everybody else. (laughs) um, So yeah, we got down there, we got the big canoe, the three-person one and jumped in and we were gone. So we were already cruising up the river as the sun was starting to come up and I we were looking we were looking at the sun as it was rising, doing a bit of sun gazing, and I I remember looking back on at the bank as well where everybody else was getting in their canoes and yeah, people were still kind of mucking around on the on the rivers on the river bank and nobody else was in the water yet. And we were really going, I can't I can't exactly pinpoint the distance that we were from, you know, everybody else back at the bank, but I think we were quite a way up the river. And on the right side of the river, further up from us was a concrete tank. And I'm not very good with measurements. I've never been good at maths. (laughs) I... Couldn't really tell you how high it was, maybe, maybe four meters, five meters. And it was quite a ways ahead of us up the river. And looking at the sun coming up, I noticed the tank and I look at the tank. And standing on top of the tank was this giant black mass um a figure very very big black figure and i should also mention that i went to a christian school and i grew up in a christian home and i i looked i looked at this thing on the tank and i was just like am i am i seeing like weird black spots in my eyes cuz i've been looking at the sun and maybe i'm seeing a like black spot Black spots. And I looked away and I looked back again, and whatever it was had then crouched down on top of the tank. And I just, yeah, I didn't know what to make of it. Um, It then, I don't remember if it disappeared. Like, if I was looking at it and it disappeared or if I looked away and then it was gone, but then it was gone. And I didn't say anything for a a moment, a couple of minutes probably, and then Mia, who was in the canoe with me, said, did either of you see that big black thing on top of the tank? And I – I was like, yes, I did. I saw it as well, and we all became quite emotional and quite freaked out. Um, I may have cried for for years, kind of after when I would tell this story. I would get very emotional and I would cry about it, and I was just like, why am I crying about this? Like, <laughs> but um, I can tell it now and not cry. But um, yeah, so we. we turned around i don't know if we went much further but we did turn around and we went back went back to the the bank where the teachers were and um we spoke about it we spoke about our experience and it spread through the camp like wildfire <laughs> and i we got in trouble um because all the students started to get really freaked out and a few of the boys Um, thought it was a great idea to kind of take our experience, like what had happened, and um, turn it into like a camp ghost story. But the way we could make sense of it was we thought we saw a demon. So because we didn't know what Yowis were, um, hadn't even heard of that before. And growing up in a Christian home and going to a Christian school – you know, if you see something big, black, eerie, like we got a feeling. I got a feeling of like, oof, this is not it didn't feel good. Um yeah, and it we just thought it was a demon. So I remember that Mia and I decided that we would draw a picture of what we saw. Um separately. So we went to separate cabins and we both drew a picture of what we saw and they were the same. Um and yeah, yeah, that was that was the Yowie. Well what I I believe is is a Yowie. Um because yeah, now that I've gotten older and I've learned about Yowie's and um their behaviors and um I just know that area. Um, out near King Roy, Mergen is very, you know, there is lots of Yowie activity in that area. It makes complete sense. And, you know, we were, it wasn't quite daylight. It was, the sun was still coming up. So, you know, he was probably, he or she was probably out doing its nightly thing and heard a heap of kids and was probably up on the tank going, what is going on over there? And, then saw us and, um, yeah, probably was like, oh, goodness, they've seen me. So, ducked down and, yeah, it just all, yeah, made complete sense to me. I was like, wow, that's, yeah, it was classic yaoi behaviour. Um, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> what a intense encounter. And for it to have such an emotional impact on you, it really tells me mm. that you know you you knew deep down that this isn't something that is just a normal type of encounter.
1: No, no, far from normal. Like you just don't see giant black figures um, yeah, standing on top of very like quite tall water tanks in the middle of the bush. Um, yeah, in the early hours of the morning, it was yeah, it was so bizarre. And i um, just really grateful that Mia also saw it and um, that she brought it up because otherwise I, I probably would have just kept it to myself and yeah, never have said anything.
0: Yeah. And that's so fantastic about having a, a shared encounter is, is, is that mm. it kind of gives you that credence of, yeah, I actually saw what I saw because like you said, it, it is just so easy for, for you to come up with an excuse of what you may have seen, like for you, it, w- it was, you know, I saw a sunspot in my eye. So,
1: mm, for all mm. I know,
0: that's what that could have been. But you had you had someone else there to, you know, say, no, nope, what you saw, I saw it too. And mm. I think that really does hit home for a lot of people.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: How big do you think this creature was?
1: Well over six foot. It was big. Yeah. It was very, very big and tall. And um, it was very broad and, like, that's what it just looked like a giant black mass. It was very difficult to kind of make out any real features. Um, And I think that has to do with, like, the low light of the morning. It was quite a distance away from us. It was quite high up and, um, yeah, the background was all bush. It was all quite dense bush along the side of the river.
0: I find it interesting that you, you felt so uneasy from the get-go. Did your friend feel mm-hmm. the same?
1: Mia Mia was very intuitive as well. Um, we, Her and I used to see fairies um, <laughs> together. So, her and I were very much on the same kind of level when it came to having these um, kind of experiences. But... I never really spoke to Mia about how she felt during the moment she saw it. But I know afterwards when we, especially when we drew those pictures and then came together and showed each other, we were freaked out. We were really freaked out. And, um, yeah, and then when the boys kind of took the story and ran with it and spooked everybody at camp, it went up another level again. Because for me, for Mia and I, um, Claire was in the canoe as well, but Claire didn't see anything. Um, but for Mia and I, it you know it was something very real that had happened to us. So we were already terrified, and then for the boys to start playing pranks, it was like, oh god!
0: Yeah, kids, kids are <laughs> really so <nervous>. cruel. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: So something interesting, I guess, about your encounter and about your, you know, your upbringing is that you said that you had a, a heavily Christian influence upbringing, and mm-hmm. that would have been a, a really terrifying thought to think that you saw a demon because mm-hmm. that is that's like the the. Top level of you know scariness for the mm-hmm. the whole kind of Christian world essentially, and that would have been quite a harrowing moment in your life there because that's something that is just the epitome of of evil essentially at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Like, did you were you scared you were going to see it again or anything like that?
1: Um. Yeah, it was. It was really terrifying, and it was. It was it felt really shit to not be believed. Like we told the adults and we actually, we got in trouble more so than anything else because by telling, by sharing what we saw, it caused a real ruckus at the camp. Um, And yeah. um, Did I ever think I was going to see it again? Well, not necessarily because I, I didn't really know what it was that I had seen, but I suppose it just made all those kind of stories in the Bible that I'd heard um very real. <laughs> so it um yeah, for a long time I was quite I was very terrified of the thought of you know of going to hell because in my experience, I had seen what I believed was a creature from that world. Um, But yes, as I got older and understood religion in a different way, I'm, yeah, I'm no longer afraid of that. And yeah, as I learned about Yowies and and dogmen and um, all of these other creatures that I believe do exist um, alongside us, I, yeah, in educating myself, I no longer have that fear So, yeah.
0: When you learned about what the Yowie was, was this a real aha moment for you?
1: Um, Not straight away because I didn't put two and two together until um, that camping, that podcast um, triggered that memory, triggered that story for me. And I then realized what it was that I had seen. Like I hadn't forgotten the story, but I then in that moment was like, that wasn't. An uh, evil spirit from the underworld that was, I can like say 99% sure that that was a yaoi, um, because that's what makes most sense. <laughs> it makes so much more sense that that was a yaoi, not a demon. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And, um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: and that would have been like a, a bit of a weight off your shoulders, too, I would have felt
1: oh yes it was it was it was a weight off my shoulders and it was also a real excitement like going oh yes like I know what that was and that's so cool that you know I have that confirmation of my own experience um yeah yeah
0: no, I think it's great. I think you, uh, that encounter, like it, it. it is so terrifying. You had it so young and you kind of have this like massive revelation later on in life that, you know, it's not the, I guess, the, I guess it, it depends on, you know, your point of view, you know, a lot of people think yaois yeah, are terrifying. Um, but I, I don't know, I think a demon would be a little bit more terrifying over a Yowie if I had to make a choice.
1: <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I had to make a choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) for sure. So, so Emma, you, your crazy stories don't stop at this Yowie encounter because there's something else that happened to you. Uh, I guess a little bit more out of this world, so to say, um, are you able to tell us what happened, uh, in, in Boona? And now a quick word from our sponsor. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, this was actually, um, I was living in Brisbane, um, Brisbane City at the time with my then partner. And he grew up, he was born in Buna, and he grew up in a place called Mount French. And uh, Mount French is a part of the mountain range out there, and he's got his own Yowie story from living out there. But um, yeah, so it was the night of um, there was a blood moon lunar eclipse that was visible. Um, from Brisbane, Australia, in 2018, and I was so excited to see this lunar eclipse. And the night came, and there was thick cloud cover, like all over the city. Um, you couldn't see the sky, and I was really devastated. And um, yeah, so my my partner at the time, because he had grown up. In Buna and his father, his father was a, um, he was a trawler man and a truckie and was, you know, had had lots of unusual paranormal experiences being out on the ocean and also driving trucks across Australia. He was obsessed with looking up at the sky.
0: <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah. So when Dan was a kid, he, him and his dad would go to this spot, this lookout in the, in the bush in Boona. There was a clearing on top of a hill and you just had this incredible view out over the sky. And, um, so he says to me, he's like, look, let's just get in the car and I know a spot. We'll drive out to Boona and hopefully, it's far enough away from the cloud cover that we might be able to see this lunar eclipse. So we get in the car and it's it's like so from Brisbane City, Booners probably an hour and a half um, trip west out past Ipswich. So. Yeah, we're driving out and the sky is starting to clear, and there's just a bit of scattered cloud cover. And yeah, we're getting really excited to um, to see this blood moon lunar eclipse. And we turn off the bitumen onto a dirt road. And um, we're winding, we're in my little gets. So we're like winding up this dirt road. Through the bush going past a few farms. There was a few farms like kind of lower down the hill, like the bottom of the hill. But as you got further up the hill, the bush got more dense and there was kind of less, less farm. I couldn't see any houses because it was nighttime. You could see where the houses were because their lights were on, but there was no houses at the top of the hill. It was just all bush. And then you came to, you came to this spot. On the side, on the on the left hand side, and there's the clearing. And um, we pulled the car up and grabbed the picnic blanket out of the car and went and put the picnic blanket like at the front of the car. So, like, yeah, just in front of the the bonnet and we sat down and kind of got comfy blankets pillows laid down looking up at the sky and um yeah we had a good view of the moon we the the eclipse hadn't started and oh we had probably been there for five minutes it felt and suddenly this giant beam of light just flicked on out of the middle of nowhere shone directly down on us neither of us said a word we just like we just moved so quickly so fluidly just like got up grabbed the blanket (laughs) jumped in the car (laughs) and took off down the hill and um my ex is a drift car driver so He was just drifting my little car down this dirt road, like getting us out of there so quickly. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until we kind of like got far enough away that we were just like, what was that? Like what the hell was that massive light that just, yeah, that just shone down out of the sky onto us. So, yeah,
0: that's crazy. We have no
1: idea. Yeah, that, <laughs> it is, was crazy. that is so crazy. <laughs> what do you think it was? Yeah, we we don't know. Like, um, we have spoken about it not too long ago. Again, we touched base, and um, we're still really good friends. And he said to me, "He's like, oh, part of me wants to go back there and see if I can find like." Maybe there was a spotlight, like a, a sensor light up in the up in the trees. Um, but I don't think he ever went and checked. We just, yeah, we we have no idea. We didn't hear anything. There was no sound. So if there was a ship up above us, we didn't hear anything. We didn't see any other lights, and we were looking at the sky, like we were looking up at the sky for this full moon. Um, eclipse and yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like we were blinded, like this blinding light just shone straight on
0: us. So it's not just like a a torch light, like this is a light that's hurting your eyes to look at.
1: Yes. Big beam of light from high up. So either high up in a tree or from the sky, it just, yeah, massive beam of light
0: oh, I don't know what to make of that, Emma. That's, that's really spooky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was so spooky. Like, we just, yeah. But Dan was also, you know, he was not, I remember him being very, very calm because he grew up out there and his dad had had so many encounters and they had had their own gnarly, yowie encounter Um, living out there as well so Dan just like he was like well this area it's not unusual for this kind of um phenomena to happen in this area so um yeah we've never really been able to make sense of it there's no we don't have any missing time um we very yeah we have the same kind of recollection of what happened, how it happened? and, um yeah, we actually drove into town and then went and found another spot and sat there and watched the eclipse. So, yeah, um,
0: that's insane. I, I don't know how you'd <laughs> go on and just do a normal night after that. That is that's crazy <laughs> stuff there, Emma <laughs> <laughs> i um i I really don't know what to make of that because. You know, if if it was a helicopter, you'd you'd hear it from miles away, especially out in the country, mm-hmm. and you know, with with no cloud cover or anything like that. It's just an open, like it's just an open plane. Like you you'd see any type of, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. light or something like that in the sky from miles away. And the the really unsettling part of that is like you were out there purposely looking in the sky and. Mm. this just happens, like, you don't know where it comes from.
1: Yeah, purpose, purposely looking in the sky, it was a blood moon lunar eclipse, so it was a special night, like, astrologically speaking, it was a really special night. Um, and, yeah, there was a little bit of cloud cover, but not that much out there. I remember it being quite partial. Even still, if something was kind of coming through, you, you would have – thought that we would have seen it um the other thing too is if it was say if someone had put a sensor light up in a tree you know the clearing on top of the hill was quite large and we could have been parked up on any part of the clearing but the light it was literally like you know like a spotlight shining down on a singer on us on a concert stage it just was like boom straight down on us and um yeah it was like someone had turned on a heap of spotties on the front of their 4 dr- four drive it they were very very bright lights um I remember, yeah, looking down at the ground, not looking up at the light because it was that bright, looking down at the ground, picking up the picnic blanket and just getting in the car and getting out of there as, as fast as we could.
0: Did you ever see like a, a point of where this light was coming from?
1: Um, not a clear point. It was just a point of, yeah, quite high above us. Um, I couldn't tell you if it was coming from the tree line or if it was coming from further further up in the sky.
0: It's creepy, isn't it?
1: because mm, mm-hmm.
0: it it's like that whatever this was, it obviously had some some form of intelligence attached to it mm-hmm. and it mm. singled you out like that's that's a really really scary part of that whole encounter
1: yeah yeah absolutely it singled us out and you know there was nobody else up and around that area Boona is a very very quiet sleepy place um yeah yeah it was pretty pretty um unnerving
0: (laughs) yeah oh um, unnerving is probably the polite way to put it I would say (laughs) Mm. yeah uh, Mm. that's that's, that's really, really quite freaky and um, I, my mind would have just been total sensory overload after an encounter like that because that's just so out of the normal and then you're still looking up in the night sky. I just, any kind of flicker or anything like that, I just would have been on massive high alert after that.
1: Mm, yeah, we didn't see anything else. I just wanted to see that eclipse and we we got to see that, which was great. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't we didn't see anything else unusual that night.
0: Well, um, I'm glad you got to see the the eclipse, you know, like you went out there for mm-hmm. a reason and you know you still got to see it. So I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Emma, mm-hmm. this, uh, this last encounter, I, I love when stuff like this happens. So, um, I, I really like it when encounters on the show, other people have, you know, basically the same mm-hmm. encounter in the same place. And I mm-hmm. kid you not, you're probably going to be about the third person who's come on the show to say they've had an encounter in a very similar location to this. So the episode that we're going to refer to is from season 14, episode four. uh, And it's on the Sunshine Coast where Ryan had a very unusual encounter with some lights. So I'm going to hand it over to you and uh, you let me know what happened to you in this area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that you've had quite a few people reach out because, when I shared this story with my community here at the Sunshine Coast, a lot of my friends were like, yes, I've also seen that. So um, there is definitely a lot of activity happening in the sky around this area. Um, and if you if you speak to people who have lived here their whole life um, and who know elders in the area, they will tell you, that it's to do with the mountains. So you've got um, Pomona, Mount Ninduri and Mount Coolum and there is, um, it's like a triangle and there's a, there's a story and an, and an energy to these mountains which um, Indigenous elders um, believe call in um, UFO activity to the area. So, um, yeah, what my... My first time seeing these lights or this craft in the sky, I was on a date, um, first date with this with this guy, and we went to a place called Yurumba Beach uh, near Coolam, and we're sitting we're sitting on the beach and. We were looking up in the sky. It was a very clear night. Um, I remember there was a couple of other people that had come down onto the beach because it was really clear and quite still. And um, But Yurumba Beach is a very, very long, very long beach, um, and it's quite dark. There's not a lot of light pollution um, compared to the other places you might be. And we're sitting there for quite a long time before we really noticed this in the sky. And I don't know if it was there the whole time or if it had then just shown up. But, um, my date was the one who noticed it initially. And I didn't, I hadn't brought up this topic. Usually I like to bring this topic up on first dates just to get a gauge of whether (laughs) the person's worth my time or not. If they're too straighty it's like oh yeah no.
0: <laughs> I dig it. But, um, I dig it.
1: Yeah. He, he's like, "Is that a is that a plane over there?" Like it was it was quite far out over the ocean and I looked in the direction he was pointing and it was flashing. So it was flashing from like a like a yellow star color to red and green which is very classic plane. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a plane. And kind of ignored it and went back to our conversation. And then he looked up again and he's like, it's not getting any closer. It's not moving. It's just kind of staying there and flashing. And so I'm looking at it again now and we're looking at it together. And then all of a sudden it shoots so quickly from stationary to the left and then shoots back to the right and then zigzags down and then zigzags back up to what looked like its original spot. And we were both just like, What the F? Wow. <laughs> Did we actually just see it do that? And, um, I was very excited. I got quite emotional. I started crying like happy tears. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> he was quite freaked out. <laughs> he was um, He's like, I can't believe you're excited about this. <laughs> and um, yeah, we sat there for a good 40 minutes watching this thing. Wow, really? M- Yes, it was there for ages and it was in this one area and we were observing it and it also looked like it had a very faint kind of searchlight off to the left side of it. Um, it was so far away, it was so high in the atmosphere that, you know, the movements for us that it was doing looked very small. But if you were to be close to it, it must have been traveling at a very, very, very high speed and covering quite a large distance in the sky. Um, yeah, and it was doing the same thing, flashing from yellow to red to green, stationary, and then shooting off to one side, shooting off to the other, going up and down. And we were kind of like, we were like, is it, are our minds playing a trick on us? So we were, we were sitting there at one point going, all right, it's moved left. It's moved up. It's moved down. It's moved right. And we were saying the same movements at the same time. So we're like, okay, we're not wigging out here. Like we're definitely saying, seeing the same thing and seeing this thing move around. And yeah, it kind of looked like maybe it was searching this specific area of sky. Um, Yeah, so that was the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I was alone um, at a really quiet little bay in Coulomb called Second Bay, Um, and I lived not far from there. So often at night I would go down for a night swim or just chill out on the beach. And, um, yeah, I saw the same thing again. Um, at Second Bay one night. However, this time it was – it wasn't – so this first one I saw was in the sky like to the right and very like high up. The next one I saw was like quite – it just looked like it was just above the ocean Um, and it was right out in front of me and it was doing the same thing. It was shooting – from left to right very quickly, um, across like the horizon of the ocean. Um, yeah. And I just, I didn't even freak out this time. I was just kind of like, oh, there's that, there's that UFO again. It's still out there doing its thing. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. I have to say, I'm going to pull a quote from this episode and it's going to be, oh, there's that UFO again.
1: (laughs) UFO again, just hanging out out there.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: But then when I when I heard Ryan's story, I was just I was absolutely blown away because I was like, that sounds exactly like the thing I saw. But the fact that he saw it so close up, um, I was just like, yeah, wow. But it did. He said that it did. Then eventually move out over the ocean, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and
1: like, yes,
0: it's yeah. It. I. I wonder wonder. You kind of like answered a, a question that I. I was going to ask you about. Like it. It seems like it's searching for something.
1: Mm, mm. And my a good friend of mine who lives under the under Mount Nindori has seen it very often around Mount Nindori. So you do. Yeah, you do wonder, are they searching for something in this area?
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I um, I wonder if there's any UFO groups down that way that might be able to shine a little bit more light on this because it is just such an active area that I can't believe we're not getting more reports out of there.
1: Mm. I would, they would have to be, they would have to be, I, maybe I'll do some digging and I'll let you know. (laughs) I would
0: love that. That would be amazing. But Emma, what do you Mm. think this, this thing was that you saw on both of these occasions? I guess, actually, let me break this question up into two parts. Do you think it was the same UFO that you're seeing?
1: It was, it was behaving in the same way. So it was, you know, the lights were the same and the movements that the craft was making was was the same. Very sudden movements like shooting off to the sides, zigzagging down. And it was funny because when it would go down, it would zigzag down. It wouldn't just straight down. It would zigzag down and then shoot up again. Um, And, yeah, on both occasions it was doing these these movements and, yeah, flashing the same way. Um, Was it the same craft or was it multiple? I I don't know. There's, I would say that it, oh, I really can't answer that because, yeah, I don't know, but um, it could have been the same one or there could be multiple of them.
0: Do you think these craft were moving in a way that our current, I guess, man-made aircraft could move in?
1: no yeah no absolutely not because when we first the first time we saw that one um when i was on that date we thought it was a plane but then the it was just it moved so quickly and like what plane moves from like left to right and zigzags down like no plane a a helicopter a helicopter couldn't do that either maybe a drone but like it was so far away. It would have, for us to have seen it the way we did, it would have had to have been a massive drone.
0: And the flight time just, on I, this thing was over forty minutes. That's a long time for a drone.
1: It was there for so long that we lost interest in it. Like, <laughs> it was yeah, it was there for so long that we watched it. For, for a good 40 minutes to an hour and then was like, okay, well, it's still there.
0: <laughs> like, so, you left and the UFO was still out there?
1: We we left and it was still there. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing.
1: Yeah.
0: People are going to ask yeah. me, and I know people are going to be listening to, the, to this and say, like, did you get any footage of it?
1: No. No. Like, <laughs> I did have my phone on me and I did like put it up to the sky, but it just, it doesn't pick up anything.
0: And at those distances, they don't, it just, it looks like the black sky and you might see a flash on there, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was just black sky. There was, yeah, there was no way to, to get that definition.
0: No, yeah, I, it was I, so far away. I totally understand it. I just needed to ask because I know people will ask me a hundred times if I didn't ask you. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank Ooh, you for I clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emma, my my mind has been absolutely blown talking to you. You have had some of the most surreal encounters, um, and I tell you, you you tell your your encounters in in such a way like there's so much passion behind them. You're you're a fantastic uh, reteller of your encounters, essentially.
1: Oh, thank you. I love sharing these stories. Um, yeah, they, um, I don't know, they bring me joy. They bring me joy and it's nice to, like, share them with people and then to have people share their stories back. And I just feel like you learn so much um, sharing these stories and it really helps to um, break down stigma and, um, you know, and taboo around sharing these kinds of encounters because I am—I um, have a—I have a social work degree as well, and I um, often hear people talk about how they feel so alone in these encounters, and that there's also not enough professional support out there. For people who, you know, may not want to share on a podcast or may not want to share with family or members of their community. And, um, you know, if, if I can come on here and say, like, I, I would love to create a space for professional help for people or just be there for people to chat about it. And if telling my story makes it less terrifying for someone to share theirs, then that's all that you know, really matters at the end of the day is we're all human beings living this wild experience. And I think it's great to have these moments that just blow our minds.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.